Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is an entertainment podcast, and the research we do may come from semi-unreliable sources. Welcome to Research Rebuttal Podcast. It's the podcast where two stubborn friends prove each other wrong. Each week, one of us will be the researcher, and one of us will be the guesser. I'm Rachel Teichman. And this is Paige Dempster. Hi. And today we're going to learn about surgical hygiene and brooms. I'll be your researcher today and Paige will be the guesser. Let's get rebutted. Hey, Paige. Hello. How's it going? Uh, you know, skidling a bit here, skidling a bit there. Very outlandish topics this week. Yeah, um, I just want to know, though, before we get into it, are you already embracing Hot Girl Summer? Um, No, I am a stay inside and hide girl summer. Ah, I see. Regardless of COVID, might I add. I see. Uh, Well, I am in the midst of Hot Girl Summer. Yeah, you have been embracing hot girl summer. I I have been. Um, I'm I'm a summer person. What can I say? How was the nondescript island you went to? The nondescript island I went to was wonderful. Um, I went with uh, number one fan of the show and best friend of the hosts, <laughs> Mary. And we had a wonderful time, and we wish you were there. Oh, that's very nice, but uh, baby doesn't have a passport. Yes. Um, But yeah, at least once a day, we were like, we wish you and the rest of the group were there with us. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. But regardless, we did island things. We drank out of coconuts. Very jealous of that, by the way. Snorkeling. We did the whole deal. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of post-COVID excursions. Uh, Okay. (laughs) A big part of getting to this point was not only vaccines, but proper hygiene. That is very true. Yeah. Yeah. And you may or may not be surprised to learn about when and how surgical hygiene came to be. Yeah, surgical hygiene is kind of new to my knowledge. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Oh, okay. First, can you tell me what is surgical hygiene? Surgical hygiene, I bet, is just, you know, be clean while you're digging into someone's body. Wear gloves, wear a mask, try not to get germs directly into someone's body so they don't get infected and die. That is basically the truth. It (laughs) is essentially the process of cleaning oneself before performing surgery. Yeah, something you should do at people from before 1918. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think I, I might know a little bit more about this. Well, one of the inspirational questions for this topic was, what should you do if you're wearing a mask and need to sneeze or cough while in the operating room? But this also applies to regular everyday COVID life. Okay, so what should you do if you sneeze like in like with a mask on? I yeah, think- should, should you leave your mask on or should you take it off? Or alternatively, if you are performing surgery should you leave the room to sneeze or cough um I think because of the mask you don't have to leave the room I obviously wouldn't like lean into the person's gaping wound with your mask on and sneeze maybe you know like when you sneeze out in public and you're like with a group of people you like lean away and do it into your elbow and you should do that regardless if you have your mask on or not it's just kind of a courtesy thing Um, but leaving the room, I think because of the mask, you don't have to, I would say, you know, just lean away, give yourself a moment, you know, if it's, I don't know if this is a thing you could do in the surgery room, but I guess if it's a gnarly sneeze, you can replace your mask. I don't know. Uh, just don't breathe in the patient's direction with your sneeze mouth. Yeah, you basically got it. If you are, let's say you're just out in the world and you're wearing your mask because we're in a global pandemic, you should leave your mask on. And if possible, you should use a tissue as an extra layer of protection over the mask, if possible. Over? Oh, like, oh, so like when you're about to sneeze, also pull out a tissue and like just lay it over your mask? If you can, yeah. If you can get outside and like leave the room or whatever, that's also ideal. But if not, like sneeze into your mask and use a tissue for extra protection. And like, let's say you're in the operating room, um, you should stay in the operating room and sneeze into your mask. And in fact, it's perfectly acceptable if you're facing the patient's wound because not much really will get out of the sides. In fact, some will get out of the bottom, but but it'll stay like on the doctor. It'll get on their coat or whatever. Oh, kind of gross to think about, but okay. It is, but then if you think about it, if you lean like the wrong way and some escapes, it could end up getting into the patient. Oh. Oh, that's a, huh. So counterintuitive intuitively don't move yeah basically can you tell me so this one's gonna this is kind of a long explanation and I will keep it as short as I can but can you tell me step by step the process of performing a surgical hand scrub oh boy okay um I as a supermarket employee know a little bit about surgical hand scrub all right tell me all about it First of all, you dip your hands in the orange solution. I don't know what the orange solution is, but in all of my, in all of like the surgery procedures I've seen on TV and on the internet, you dip your hands in the orange solution and then you do, you do the scrub. You begin the scrub. You lather it all over your hands, up to your elbows, even if you want to get liberal about it. And 
you just slather your hands in the goo. And then once your hands and your and your arms are thoroughly gooed, that is when you go to the sink. You rinse off the initial goo and then you get more soap. And then you lather your hands up to your elbows in the soap. And then you rinse that off. And finally, you take the Purell and you lather your hands and your arms up to your elbows in the Purell. Then you put your gloves on and go into the room. Okay. Yeah. You are, you have the general idea. So um, basically remove all your jewelry, rings, watches, bracelets, and uh, first clean the subingual, subungual. Subungual? So subungual. Sabung- sabungus? <laughs> sabungus. <laughs> <laughs> Clean the subungual areas with a nail file. And then uh, you start a two-minute timer and you scrub each side of the finger between the fingers and the back of the front and the front of the hand. Then you scrub the arms and you always want to keep your hand higher than the arms. Um, and that prevents bacteria-laden soap and water from contaminating the hand. Oh. Yeah, and then you always want to wash each side of the arm to three inches above the elbow for a minute, repeat the process on the other hand and arm, and if the hand touches anything, you use a scrub brush, and if your hand touches anything but the scrub brush at any time, the scrub has to be lengthened uh, by one minute for the area that was contaminated. Oh my God. Then you rinse your hands and arms in one direction only from fingertips to elbow, and you should not move your arm back and forth. And then we're not done. We're not (laughs) done. There's more, but wait, there's more. Go into the operating room, holding your hands above your elbows and at all times, you should not splash water onto your surgical attire. And finally, when you're in the operating room, your hands and arms should be dried using a sterile towel. And then you can put on your gown and sterile gloves. And I didn't include this, but there is a whole process to putting on your gown and sterile gloves. Oh, God, I could never. I am a messy Bessie. I have a hard time washing my hands, even for two cycles of the happy birthday song. And it's like, I, I just couldn't. I, if I am in the presence of water, it is going to get on me somehow past my, past my little hands onto my shirt. I would be in that sink until I got like athlete's foot, but in my hands, because I'm just so moist. My fingers would be prunes you could sell them at the store for 99 cents a pound that that would be great for constipation oh absolutely if anything i'd never get constipated never never i've never been constipated and that's because you wash your hands for a really long time yes super long yeah okay four happy birthdays four have you well have you considered the alphabet song no, the alphabet song is for babies. Oh, okay. and I am an alpha chat. <laughs> you're you're a big kid. Yeah, I'm a big kid now. Wow. I don't need my huggies. Wow. So now that we know how to wash your hands before surgery, 
Can you tell me why washing your hands before surgery is important? So you don't get the sabungus into the person. Have you ever seen a sabungus? There's so much dirt in there. And it's like, if dirt gets into your body, your body's going to have like a seizure. Should I Google sabungus? Yes. Okay. Safe search off. Yeah. Okay. How do you spell it? S-U or S-O? S-U. The only vowels in sabungus should be U. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a little confused by what I'm seeing, but you're gonna want to have the safe search off. Do you see? Well, it? Y- well, it's technically you should spell it S U B U N G U I S. Sabungui. Sabungui. Sabunguini. Oh my God, we're getting Sabungui. Italian. <laughs> yeah. And it, I'm a little bit underwhelmed by what I'm seeing. Anyway, uh, for those at home, feel free to Google image search Sabungui with the safe search off. You will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. And yeah, you're right. You wash your hands before surgery to avoid spreading bacteria and other pathogens to the open wound on the person you are trying to keep alive. Gross. Yeah. Can you tell me the name of the first person to advocate for cleanliness and wound washing? Oh, I knew this at some point. Um, it was a dude. No, it might not have been a dude. Think about it. Old school medical. Was it a dude? It might not have been a dude. Just saying there were there was a few prominent female ladies. Like Molly um, Pitcher. Yeah, like Molly Pitcher. Um Edward Sabunguini. That was his cousin. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it was Aulus Cornelius Celsus. I think that's how you pronounce that name. Is he Roman? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like it's a Roman. So this was a long time ago. A lot longer than I thought it would have been. We'll get to it. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, he was the first person to advocate for cleanliness and wound washing, but more specifically, he was not the person advocating for hand washing. Um, wait, so what was wound washing in the Roman times? Did they just, like, cover it in olive oil? <laughs> well, he came up with a solution. What was his solution made of? Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to guess olive oil, water, and honey, because I think honey has natural antiseptic properties. Honey does have natural antiseptic properties, but it was not used in this context. Oh, that's surprising. Or if it was, it wasn't listed on this source. Okay, well, I'm a firm believer that olive oil was somehow involved. His primary solution was made of vinegar and thyme oil. That sounds potentially delicious. Potentially. (laughs) What were some other early antiseptics? I'm still going to guess honey. Um, vinegar sounds like it could be right. Um, salt. Any, honestly, anything that hurts when it goes in the cut probably means it's working. <laughs> so I'm going to say salt and lemon juice. Pitch, wine, copper, silver, and mercury. What is pitch? I don't know. What? Does that have to do with pitch black? I don't know. I'm looking it up. You okay. don't have the answers that I need. Okay. What is pitch? Pitch is a resin. 
and it is black. There you go. I am a little smarticle. I are put, a little smarticle. I have connected the dots. Pitch is a black resin, which can be natural or manufactured, and it's derived from coal, tar, or plants. And apparently it has antiseptic properties. Well, I don't know about <laughs> Did it actually have antiseptic properties? I don't know, but it was used as an early antiseptic. Well, I guess I guess if you like goop it around a cut and let it harden, it could be like a bandage. Maybe. Like, well, then nothing's getting in there. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. If you put tar on a cut, nothing's getting through that. True. Now, moving forward a bit of time, who oh, discovered the importance of hand washing? Edward Sabunguini? Dr. Ignis Semmelweis. Dr. Ignis Semolina? <laughs> Dr. Ignis Semolina Pasta. Yeah. And what year approximately did he make this discovery? Okay, Ignis sounds like a pre-1800s name. I'm just putting that out there. But by your smile, I'm guessing that that's incorrect. That is incorrect. Okay. Um, Ignis. Ignis. Ignis Semolina Pasta. I'm going to guess post-Civil War. I'm going to guess 1867 or anywhere between 1867 and 1917. 1854. Dang it. And how did he make this discovery? Um, penicillin. So there's a little bit of a backstory to this. Okay. He noticed mothers would feel terror when they found out that their baby would be delivered by medical students instead of a midwife. <laughs> and, oh, the, God. and, and they had a really good reason for feeling this terror. And it's because <laughs> moms were three times more likely to die from pure pearl sepsis, otherwise known as childbed fever, when being delivered by medical students rather than a midwife. Good Lord. And he realized that the medical students, before moving on to the mothers in delivery rooms, were handling dead bodies. Oh, God. And they weren't washing their hands. Oh my God, you absolute nasties. And so he believed that the medical students were spreading something from the dead people to the mothers and their babies. Miasma. Mortality rates shrunk after he started having the medical students wash their hands. Good on you, Igneous Rock. And... Well, actually, I'll get to that in a second. How did the medical community respond to hand washing? Like he went on this really big thing where he advocated for it. He talked to everyone he could about it. How did the community respond? Okay, I think I know this. They did not like it. They were like, that is stupid. We're going to continue to fondle corpses before we give birth. Yes, they were very hostile and they felt that hand washing was too much work. Humans don't like change no we're also lazy by nature right and unfortunately he put in all this advocacy work only to be met with like a terrible response and he ended up having a nervous breakdown oh igneous 
Yeah. And he had to be committed and he, yeah, it did not end well for him, but he did change the medical community forever because of his discovery. God bless you, Igneous Semolina Rock. I have a fun fact. Okay. Well, it's two fun facts. Oh. During this time, they were not washing bed linens or lab coats. Oh, God. And so around this time, it was considered normal for light infection to be part of the healing process. And so, and so like, it was normal for people to just have pockets of puss, um, puss, puss, not puss, puss, pockets of puss. (laughs) I'll have, you know, I pronounced it that way intentionally because I thought it was funny. Okay. And so it like they, as part of their process, they would use a probe to drain and they would reuse the probes on people without (laughs) washing them the world was such a different place before we knew that germs existed completely different place oh my god absolutely disgusting it's a miracle that our ancestors survived like forgetting about the probes for a second the fact that they were not washing bed linen no in a hospital setting (laughs) so pretty disgusting things go on in hospital beds and like i'm pretty sure don't fact check me on this because i just got this from watching documentaries back in like the 17 and 1800s i think especially in europe hospitals were also a place for like people that had nowhere to go so basically homeless people that were living on the streets and collecting bacteria to sit and have a bed (laughs) collected all this goop on him and then they wouldn't wash the goop off of the sheets and it's just oh god hospitals were just like a breeding ground for bacteria and now it's time for a word from our sponsors Are you a surgeon? Do you otherwise work in the medical field? Do you see patients on a regular basis? Then you need antimicrobial hand soap. Antimicrobial hand soap. Simply remove all your jewelry. Club your subbungal areas with a nail file. Set a timer for two minutes. Scrub each side of your finger between the fingers and back of the hand and front of the hand for that time. Scrub your arms, keeping your hands above the arms. Wash your arm. one minute above the elbow repeat the other process on your other hand and arm if your hand touches anything except the brush at any time the scrub must be lengthened by one minute rinse the hands and arms by passing them through the water in one direction only from fingertips to elbows and finally enter the operation room antimicrobial soap on sale everywhere brought to you by the american citrus council welcome back uh, hold that thought. It's time for rapid fire. This is how this is going to work. I'm going to give you one minute to answer as many questions as possible. And if you hear this noise, that means you got it right. And if you hear this noise, that means you got it wrong. Are you Ringle Subwingle? I am Ringle Subwingle. Where is the oldest castle? Italy. Who was the third man on the moon? Chester Stars. Name one town in Wyoming. Smithfield. 
name three biomes in the United States. Forest, ocean, ice. Are all Oreos vegan? Yeah, uh, in America, yes. Name one Animal Crossing villager. Coco. What is the width of the average doorway? Uh, 34 inches. What is the name of the third generation of Pokemon? <laughs> Come on, 10 seconds. Indigo, indigo. No! <laughs> What's the longest umbilical cord on record? 25 feet. We're out of time. <laughs> like, I was at Mary's house, and I was like, oh, I'm going to try to come up with some rapid-fire questions. She helped me come up with the set that you had today. <laughs> Amazing. That's why why they were so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mary. (laughs) Anyway, welcome back. Hi. Did you learn a lot about microbial soap from our commercial? I did. And now my hand washing routine is better than ever. I'm so glad. So speaking of cleanliness, you know what else is used as a cleaning object, as a cleaning tool, I guess. The Swiffer Sweeper Mopper and Duster 3-in-1 device. I do like a Swiffer Sweeper 3-in-1 device. <laughs> but no, it's a broom. Oh. What is a broom? Can you, like, describe it and define it in its most literal sense? Well, I guess for those poor souls that have never seen a broom... Um, it is a stick with some bristlies at the bottom, not just some bristlies, a lot of bristlies. And you swipe it across the ground and the swiper, no swiping. You swiper, no swiping it across the ground and it picks up debris. And so you can move the debris into something else like a dustpan and then deposit the debris into the garbo. Basically, a broom is, quote, cleaning tool consisting of usually stiff fibers and then it is attached to a cylindrical pole aka the broomstick cylindrical cylindrical oh you said cylindrical i did say cylindrical i'm not good at pronouncing things today neither am i let's be honest i'm just not good at it any of the time of the day ever must be hormones yeah it's 100 percent hormones <laughs> But yeah, you basically got it. It's a broom. You know what a broom is. I know my brooms. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is a broom just a long brush? Oh. <laughs> I'm going to say no, because a broom and a brush serve different purposes. Uh, it's time to get rebutted. You can't brush your hair with a broom? Uh, no, you can't, but it's a type of brush. It's just a brush on a long handle. Is this like a square rectangle thing? All rectangles are squares, but not all squares are rectangles. Are all brushes brooms? I mean... If you take a hairbrush that uh doesn't have, like... Just you take a hairbrush with like boar bristles, for example, because most of them, yeah, you could theoretically pick up debris with that. I wouldn't use it on your head afterwards, but you could. 
And yet at the same time, though, a broom is a long stick where the bristles are perpendicular. Mm. Mm -hmm. Where a brush, the bristles are kind of parallel to the handle. So I guess it, I think it is a square rectangle situation where all brooms are brushes, but not all brushes are brooms. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, because because of how the bristles are placed on a broom, you probably couldn't get knots out of your hair with it. That's true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, people? Let us know. <laughs> you can email us. Yeah, email us at researchrebuttalpodcast at gmail.com. Are brushes just brooms? Because we is, already know that brooms are just a long brush. What is your solution to the brush broom problem? And can you please take a video of using a broom as a hairbrush and uh, put it on social media and tag us? Well, see you next week. No. Yeah, see you next week. <laughs> What is a soft broom used for? A soft broom. A soft broom. It is used to collect dust. Close. It's used for things like sweeping cobwebs. Oh. And it is otherwise known as a feather duster. What are cobwebs made out of? Cobwebs are actually just spider webs. So they're made of silk? I don't think most spiders produce silk, but could you make sure? Could you make a sweater out of cobwebs? I feel like the material would fall apart, but you could try. I feel like, well, listen, silk would fall apart if you didn't do anything to it. Would it? You gotta, you have to take the individual silk strands and spin them together into something stronger. And I thought silk came from worms. They come from spiders? Mm, no, they do come from silkworms, but I don't know. Maybe there's like spider silk somewhere in the world. Topic? Silk? If you like poke a spider in the butt and like make it accidentally shoot out silk, you could take the strand and just keep pulling it back. <laughs> oh like like one of those clown tricks <laughs> yeah. like instead of rags it just keeps pulling silk out of its <laughs> do you think a spider poops out of the same place that the silk comes from i really think we should do a topic on this i think you're right okay what is a hard broom used for a hard broom is what you actually sweep across the floor that is one use for it. It's used for sweeping dust on hard floors and sidewalks or smoothing and texturing wet concrete. Ooh. However, what types of bro- what type of brooms are used usually for homes and businesses? A hard broom? It's in between soft and hard. A medium broom. A medium broom. Mm-hmm. It's not really called that, but yes. Okay. Now who? revolutionized the modern broom jr sweeper levi dickinson (laughs) it's just a ridiculous name (laughs) it is and what material did he use he probably used either sticks or like animal fiber sorghum 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 isn't that like a food ingredient 
It is. It's a type of uh, almost like a wheat. It's like a grain. Oh, so he could eat his broom. He could, I guess, eat his broom. That broom could go on a cereal. Cereal brooms. That he could have, he could make his broom into Frosted Flakes. I like a good Frosted Flakes broom. Yeah. True or false, Levi Dickinson was highly important uh, for the Industrial Revolution. Imagine if it was false. It's like, no, this is just some punk. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with true. Yeah. He invented a machine to make brooms better and faster in the year 1810. Oh, the broom industry. The broom industry. And can you tell me what that machine was called? So he, it was, it made brooms faster and higher quality. Uh Uh-huh. The bunging broom. No, but I like it. Thank you. It was called the foot treadle broom machine. Treadle. I don't know if it's treadle or treadle. Uh, how is it spelled? T-R-E-A-D-L-E. I'm going to say treadle. The foot treadle broom machine. <laughs> it's still a funny word. It is a funny word. At their peak, how many broom factories were there at one time? Like in the world? I don't know if this is the world or the United States. I think it's the United States. Okay, um, and this was during the Industrial Revolution? Yes. Okay, so not all of America was Manifest Destiny yet. Um, I'm going to say 59. 1,039. Whoa, oh my god. People and this really was, needed brooms, huh? They did, and this was in the year 1919. Wow. But then during the Great Depression, that number tanked. Yeah, no one needed that many brooms anymore. It's true. Yeah, gotta sacrifice something somewhere. Yeah, gotta sacrifice your, your next new broom. I really think you're gonna like this next section, like these next few questions. Oh, yeah? First, what is broom dancing? <laughs> um, okay, this might take a minute, but I just, I need a moment to look at something. Oh, I see I received a text. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Final answer. <laughs> um, can you describe what you just texted me? That is an enemy from the Kirby series. He is a little man with a witch hat and he has a broom. And like his animation is like he sweeps twice to the right. And then he takes one back now, y'all. And then he sweeps twice to the left. <laughs> I always liked that enemy. Yeah. I was trying to find a gif of him, but I couldn't. Mm. Broom dancing is traditional dancing by the Métis people of Canada, and they use brooms. (gasps) Oh, I love it. Their dance platform must be so clean. Exactly. Good on you, Métis people. Are brooms a political party symbol? I assume because you asked that, the answer is yes. You're right. <laughs> the Am Admi Party of India uses a broom as a symbol, and the All Progressives Congress of Nigeria uses a broom as a political symbol. Um, now, is there a reason for this? 
I'm sure there is, but I did not look into it. Okay. And finally, how are brooms used in religion? Okay, now hang on a minute. I feel like you might get this. I I don't know if this is right, uh, but this is something, I don't know where I picked this up. I heard that a thing in Buddhism, like a sect of Buddhism, I don't know, I don't even know if it is Buddhism, but somewhere in India or Nepal, I can't remember, like you're not supposed to hurt a single living thing. And so when the people of the religion walk, they use brooms and they sweep out in front of them so they don't accidentally step on any bugs. But I was always thinking, well, wouldn't sweeping the bugs to the side kind of hurt them anyway? Like the impact? Um, maybe, maybe not. Like you're not, at least you're not crushing them though. And like they might live and hopefully like you won't hurt them too bad. Okay, is that a thing though? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. So you're oh, okay. you're, you're you're really like your answer is really close to being totally accurate. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's not Buddhism, it's Jainism. Oh. But you're in the right part of the world. Okay. And like generally the same time periods. Time periods, you mean like place? Like around when it was like starting and then persisting into today. Oh, okay. And yeah, like the monks and nuns who practice Jainism will use a broom to sweep aside ants and small animals in order to avoid crushing them. Oh, I know. That's so sweet. It is. I don't have that kind of heart. Like I try to, I try not to kill as many bugs as I can, but that's like, listen, if you're in my house and you bother me, it's my turf and you have, and I'm sorry, but you're going down. I feel you. My aunt problem came back. I'm so sorry. I wonder if the followers of Jainism are allowed to use raid. I doubt it. As a preventative measure. Like, well, but like, but then like the ants would still die once they come into contact with the raid. That's how it's a preventative. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Man, they better keep their houses clean. But there are like herbs you can use that repel certain bugs because they don't like the smell of it. Oh, I wonder which one of those works on ants. Topic? We've already done an ant. Yeah, we did do an ant. (laughs) We can do like an herbal remedy topic. Oh, no. That is dipping deep, though. Yeah, that's going to get real controversial real quick. <laughs> Listen, I just want to know what re- herbal remedies I could use in my house to keep the ants off of my nightstand. I would suggest Googling. Uh, I might after this because it's all fun and games until you're eating a poppy seed bagel and one of the poppy seeds starts to move. Oh, no. That happened to me today. <laughs> Oh, I didn't eat no. it, I was, but I didn't eat it. But I was like, that's suspicious. I hate to see it. You're well, you're a lot more squeamish around bugs than I am. OK, but that situation in particular. Yeah, well, New Jersey do be like that. There are a lot of sugar ants in New Jersey. It's true. Yeah, well. That about does it for this episode of Research Rebuttal Podcast. You can find us on social media. Social media. 
on Twitter at Research Rebut and on Instagram and Facebook at Research Rebuttal Podcast. You can email us topic suggestions at researchrebuttalpodcast at gmail.com and let us know. Do you leave your mask on to sneeze or will you start leaving it on to sneeze? And is a brush a broom if a broom is a brush? And do you have an ant problem? And if so, uh, do you know how to get rid of them? Because I need assistance. Please help, Paige. Please help, Paige 2021. American Citrus Council, I don't know what you've been up to. And so listeners, please email American Citrus Council at gmail.com. And ask let- them if they're the ones that sent the ants to my house. Yeah, ask them if they're the ones who sent the ants to Paige's house and ask them why they're not paying us already. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.